Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. This is is the Devil's Devil's State of of Mind Podcast, podcast. brought to you by the Hockey Hockey Podcast Podcast Network. Network. Now here's your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is once again your boy, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to these podcast episodes. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. These episodes and everything we do here are sponsored by the awesome people at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code THPN. And we're about a week away from the Super Bowl, so DraftKings has a lot of really, really exciting offers and different types of things you can bet on. And even if sports betting is not allowed in your state, Uh, DraftKings has many, many other ways like fantasy and things like that, that you can still win money. So DraftKings, you got to get on it. Use our promo code when you get on it, THPN. Ladies and gentlemen, we actually have a pretty decent amount to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. I would say about 95% of this episode is going to be good. It's going to, I mean, and, and it's been a while since we've had like an episode where it was really really good. Um, if you remember it literally just the last episode that I posted last Thursday, obviously it was a 30 plus minute rant about the devils being absolutely embarrassed in back-to-back games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, but the team will be back on the ice beginning a three game road trip starting on Monday. They'll be in Ottawa. And then the very next day on Tuesday, they'll be in Montreal. And then to cap off the week in the three-game road trip, the Devils on Thursday, I believe, will be in St. Louis taking on the Blues. And I believe all three of these games, or at least two of these three games, are games that that are makeups from earlier in the year because of COVID-19 complications and things like that. So that is the main um, update when it comes to where the Devils are at this point in the season. But... We are going to be talking about the 2022 NHL All-Star Weekend. We, we're going to recap pretty quickly. Well, not quickly, but we're going, to, we're going to recap the All-Star Skills Competition, which happened on Friday. And then, of course, we are going to recap the 2022 NHL All-Star Game, which happened on Saturday. We're also going to give you guys some updates from practice because uh, the Devils returned to practice on Sunday afternoon prior to flying out to Ottawa. And then we're going to finish with talking about Alexander Holtz and the red-hot Utica Comets and how much they've been absolutely kicking butt of late 
and really just giving us a lot of positives when it comes to looking at the future of this New Jersey Devils organization. So, like always, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is we're going to recap the 2022 NHL All-Stars Skills Competition. We had the usual events, things that we've seen before, but because we were in Vegas and I guess that the NHL wanted to try some new things, they added in two other unique uh, events. I don't know if next year's All-Star Game will be the same thing. Next year's All-Star Game, the NHL announced, will be in Sunrise, Florida, uh, the home of the Florida Panthers. So the Panthers will get their opportunity to host. By the way, the NHL also, also announced that the 2023 NHL Winter Classic will be at Fenway Park in Boston for the second time um, since the Winter Classic became a thing. The Bruins will obviously be the home team. Who they face off against has yet to be announced, although I did hear rumors that it looks like it might be the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we also found out that the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are definitely finally getting an outdoor game. They will be the host of the 2022 NHL Stadium Series game, which will be played on the University of North Carolina State's um, campus. So that'll be a lot of fun. Carolina is going to be the home team. And again, just like with the Winter Classic, we have not gotten word as to who will be their opponent. I'm sure in the next couple of weeks, couple of months, we will find out who those teams are. I will say this, that I'm not really thrilled again that the all, that the um, the Winter Classic is in a venue that we've already done. I would like I would have liked to see the NHL find some place that they haven't done before. I think from the stadium series perspective, I get why they went to Carolina and I have no problems with that. Um, I would say that in 2024 is probably when we're going to get an outdoor game, probably at West Point, uh, which is home to the United States. Um military academy or, or you know army the united states army um because that's the only military academy that the nhl has not gone to yet so i would imagine that they will look into that but uh we'll find out down the road who those other teams will be facing off in those outdoor games and we'll go from there but yeah back to the all-star game yeah this is uh we'll see if the nhl decides to do something creative like they did this year i i got the whole point of why they did those two events, I think they were kind of cool. Little bit cheesy, but then again, we were playing in Vegas. And uh, I got to tell you, if you're a Vegas sports fan, you got to be pretty happy because on Saturday, you hosted the 2022 NHL All-Star Game. And then on Sunday, you hosted the 2022 Pro Bowl for the National Football League. And I would, I would probably assume that that was by design to get more fans of both sports and just more sports fans in general in that area in um, Las Vegas uh, and in the just Nevada region that uh, would get into the sport. I'm sure they were trying to promote it even more. So I got it. And obviously, you know, the NFL and NHL is going to make a considerable amount of money because they are in Las Vegas. Um, but we had how many, I'm trying to remember what I'm talking about. I think we had like eight events. If I remember correctly, we had seven events overall. So we had five events that we've seen before. And then we had the two unique ones that the NHL put in. We'll start with the fastest skater. This was one that I think a lot of people expected Connor McDavid was going to win. He's let, he's lost the last couple of years. He lost to uh, Matt Barzell back in 2020, which was the last time we had the all-star game. And so I think a lot of people thought that um, that McDavid would redeem himself, but it actually was not McDavid as Jordan Cairo actually ended up winning it. He is from the St. Louis Blues. He ended up winning the fastest skater with an impressive 13.550 seconds. Um, that is not the fastest time we've ever seen. Obviously, Kendall Coinfield, uh, Schofield, um, Kendall Coin Schofield, uh, she put on quite a show a couple of years ago at the All-Star Game in uh, San Jose. That's one of the more faster times. Uh, Matt Barzell did a tremendous job. I think he had it almost under 13 seconds on in 2020. But Jordan Kyra ended up winning it 
And to be quite honest with you, this just kind of helps elevate how talented of a player overall that Jordan Cairo is and how much he's going to be a main focal point of this Blues organization for years to come. He's had a tremendous year, scoring a lot of goals, being absolutely productive, helping the Blues be in a position to get into the playoffs and maybe even make a surprising run if uh, things go the way that they're hoping. And Jordan Cairo is right in the middle of it. So uh, he... I don't know if everybody would say that was a big surprise, maybe a little bit of a surprise, but Jordan Cairo definitely uh, deserved that. He did a tremendous job and uh, very impressive. So Jordan Cairo with a um, time of 13.550 seconds wins the fastest skater event. The next one was the hardest shot. And we did hear earlier last week that the NHL was actually trying to convince Zidane Chara who wasn't invited and wasn't voted as an all-star to still come and be a part of that event. Um, and there were some other players that were invited to be a part of the skills competition, even if they were not a part of the, um, the all-star game itself. But uh, Zdeno Chara actually ended up declining. So he did not attend the hardest shot, which I, th I think everybody was hoping that he would once again come because obviously he has the record and he's one of the best hardest shot uh, players that we've ever seen. And, you know, just his slap shot alone is, is uh, a death sentence for a lot of nets um, in the game of hockey. Uh, but Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning ended up coming away with the win as he had the hardest shot of 103.2 miles Per hour, Victor Hedman, obviously one of the top five defensemen in the game today. And it still is remarkable about how when he first came into the league and he had a lot of struggles, a lot of people consider that he was a bust, but slowly but surely he developed over time. And the Tampa Lightning are definitely thrilled that they stuck with him. They believed in him. And now he's a, a guy that's won, you know, back-to-back -back Stanley Cups, Norse Trophy. He's just a phenomenal defenseman and a guy who's going to be considered potentially one of the best defensemen we've ever seen, especially in this generation. So Victor Hedman of the Tampa Lightning with a 103.2 mile, mile per hour shot wins the hardest shot contest. The next one is the accuracy shooting contest. Uh, for Devils fans, if you remember when Nico Heischer um, was in the All-Star game back in 2020, he actually was part of this event. Uh, the main premise of it, in case you don't know, you have to try to hit four targets, which is in every corner of the net. So top left, top right, bottom left, bottom right. You have to try to hit all four of those, completely break them as fast as you can. And this year's winner was Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes. He hit all four targets in 10.937 seconds. Um, and I think the next closest to him was something like three, four, five seconds uh, behind him. So he won it with a decent amount of time. And he really, really came out right away, knocked down the first two. And we were all thinking like, oh, is he going to get this in like seven, eight seconds? Took him a little bit more time, but he did get himself a very impressive mark and won himself the accuracy shooting uh, contest. Sebastian Ajo really, really being one of the main focal points of a Carolina team that not only has, you know, maybe potentially divisional championship aspirations, but certainly Stanley Cup aspirations this year. And uh, Ajo just showing off how super talented he really is. So Sebastian Ajo of the Carolina Hurricanes with a time of 10.937 wins the accuracy shooting competition. The one after that was the NHL save streak. So basically each division, because we went Metro, uh, Pacific, Atlantic, Central, um, each uh, division has two goaltenders and their job is to try to make as many saves in a row consecutively as possible. And whichever goaltending tandem makes the most saves in a row wins the whole thing. And this year's winner was the Atlantic division led by Jack Campbell of the Toronto Maple Leafs and Andre Vasilevsky of the Tampa Bay Lightning as they combined to get nine consecutive saves. Jack Campbell really giving himself an opportunity to potentially be a Vesna Trophy winner this year. Andre Vasilevsky, one of the top five goaltenders in the game, two-time Stanley Cup champion, has been absolutely phenomenal. Not a surprise that he's having another all-star year with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they proved that they may have the strongest goaltending overall in that Atlantic division, and they certainly put on a very, very good show. So, 
The Atlantic Division wins the NHL save streak led by Jack Campbell and Andre Vasilevsky as they finish with nine consecutive saves. Now, let's go over to the two unique events that we had at the All-Star Game Skills Competition. The first one was called Fountain Faceoff. So the way that it worked is like this. You had several players outside. They were not in the arena. They were outside on the Vegas Strip right by the big fountain where I think they have like the Caesars Palace, I believe. And they stood on a platform and they fired pucks on the water, over water and into, you know, several targets. I think there was like three nets, if I'm not mistaken. And basically the point was to get as many pucks in um, as quick as you can and uh, have the quickest amount of time to get all of your pucks uh, into the net. That was basically it. And the winner of the Fountain Faceoff was Zach Rowenski, the defenseman, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, as he posted a 25.634 uh, seconds. That's how long, that's how quickly it took for him. But I do want to send a special shout out to former American ice hockey player Jocelyn Lamoureux Davidson, who put on an absolute show when it was her turn. I mean, she was knocking down targets left and right and really, really blowing away the competition. And it just goes to show once again that there are a lot of incredibly talented hockey players um, on the women's side. And we're seeing it right now in the Olympics. I mean, we're seeing teams like Team Canada and USA blowing out their opponents with so much talent. We've had China with a couple upset victories, Finland playing pretty well, just several countries here or there with so many talented women all over the world playing the game of hockey. And Jocelyn just proved that once again. And all the NHL players were very, very much impressed with what she was able to do. But in the end, Zach Rowenski of the Columbus Blue Jackets with a time of 23.634 seconds wins the fountain face-off competition. Now, here are, this is the second of the two unique events that the NHL had at this year's All-Star Game Skills Competition. This was one of my two favorite um, competitions that we had. This one was called Hockey Blackjack, a.k.a. 21 in 22. So if you played the card game of Blackjack, the goal is to basically get to 21 without going over. That is the get, that is the whole premise. So whoever gets to 21 without going over ends up winning the game of blackjack. So the way it was described um, for this was this. Five players face a full deck of oversized cards set up on a rack. So the players are standing on a mat. They're looking directly at uh, a huge, a huge rack with all these different cards of different... Um, numbers and symbols like you see in a card deck like you know in a card deck when you play poker and things like that uh the shooters have to reach 21 points without going over and do it in as few shots as possible similar to the game of blackjack this was also one of the two events that was not inside the arena it was outside i believe this event was just outside uh the t-mobile arena where the all-star game was being held and in the end joe pavelski of the dallas stars ended up winning that's uh competition so i'm sure for joe pavelski it's a very cool and unique competition to win it was very very cool i like the whole idea we are in vegas after all it was just overall it was a great great um event it was very entertaining uh i'm sure that some of these players have had some experience playing these card games with the amount of road trips that they have and hanging out with their teammates uh but this was obviously a little bit different shooting pucks at oversized cards it was a great event and um you know do they do it again? Maybe, but I think because of the fact that they were in Vegas, it's probably a one-year thing. Maybe they'll try to do some similar, well, not similar, maybe they'll try to come up with some in ideas like they came up with Vegas when they go to Sunrise. So that'll be really interesting um, when they get to that point. But Joe Pavelski wins the inaugural Hockey Blackjack 21-22 in 22 competition. And then we come to what I consider to be the main event, and that was the Breakaway Challenge. And obviously, us Devils fans, very much looking forward to this one because Jack Hughes was going to be one of the contestants. He was a part of the save streak as well, but then again, so was everybody else because that was the whole point. But Jack Hughes specifically was um, asked to be a part of this event. He was alongside his USA buddy, Trevor Zegras, who didn't make the all-star team, but was asked to come to this competition. And knowing what Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras have done with their incredible 
uh, stick abilities and things like that. We've seen Trevor Zegras do the Michigan several times. This They had to be a part of this event. We also had uh, Kirill the Thrill, Kaprizov as well, Alex Petrangelo, which I think was kind of an interesting one um, that was also in this event. And the winner, unfortunately for us Devils fans, and I think I would definitely say unfortunately for most hockey fans, the winner was Alex Petrangelo with a score of 64. Now, the way that it went was specifically this. You have to go out and you have to score on these breakaway challenges. You have to be as creative as you possibly can be. And you have a line of judges that will then put up, you know, a number from one to 10 as to what they think of that, um, that performance. So if you're a, a basketball fan, it's basically the equivalent to the NBA slam dunk competition. It's the same exact thing. You got to be creative in one way or another. Alex Petrangelo was like, okay. But the thing was, is that when he did his move, he missed the net. So he didn't even score. And John Hamm, the actor, John Hamm actually gave him, I think a nine or a 10, which kind of put him over the top and actually was the main reason that they, that Petrangio ended up winning. And that was kind of ridiculous because when you think about it, guys like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras and Alex Debrinkin as well. Also, I think Kuro scored as well. They scored. They scored their goals. So I don't really know exactly what that was other than the obvious thing of, look, a Vegas Golden Knight player hadn't won anything so far in this competition. And you want to see at least one Golden Knight player do it because they are playing in Vegas. And so uh, they gave him a little bit extra points on that. But let's talk about the other contestants because the moves that they made, the ideas they came up with were way better. The first one we're going to talk about is Alex Dabrinkit. And what I loved about it is that he dressed up like Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover. He had Derek Carr. I think also he may have had uh, Hunter Renfro as well, both from the Las Vegas Raiders of the NFL come out. I mean, they were all dressed up like The Hangover guys. He had the um, he had the satchel on and the baby, and uh, he, he did a shot attempt that way. It was very, very cool. Very creative and very Vegas uh oriented so i gave to bring it a lot of credit for that kirill kaprizov what i loved is that he decided to honor alex ovechkin who has been a part of this competition several times and has been super creative in his own rights um he actually he looked like he was about to go he stopped went over to evgeny kuznetsov alexander ovechkin's teammate and also fellow russian hockey player he took off his jersey had an alex ovechkin capitals jersey on put on um, a Washington Capitals helmet with the dark visor that Ovechkin wears and actually went and shot the puck like that. So again, awesome job for creativity. And then we go to Trevor Zegras. And Trevor Zegras had arguably the most impressive uh, showcase when it came to this breakaway challenge because what he decided to do was shout out the movie Dodgeball. If you remember that movie, Dodgeball is a great, uh, hilarious comedic thing. And if you remember in one of the scenes, the guy has to put on a blindfold. To, well, he doesn't have to, but he puts on a blindfold to do it. And they actually, as he was going down the ice to shoot the puck, while blindfolded, people were throwing dodgeballs at him. And he was still able with great success to score. And it was unbelievable. But he only got a 58, which get, put him in third place. I mean, that's ridiculous. Trevor Zegers definitely got job because that was one of the most creative things we've ever seen in the breakaway challenge. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal from Trevor Zegers. I am so unbelievably impressed by this kid. And he is just going to get better and better. And the Anaheim Ducks, man, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And they are definitely going to be a wagon for years to come. And then, of course, we get to the main event, our boy. Number 86, Jack Hughes. And I remember Jack Hughes was talking to the media earlier in the day. Um, it was basically All-Star Game Press, you know, you know, talking to the media. And he said to, uh, to definitely keep your eyes on the screen when it's his turn because you're going to see some magic. That's what he said. Well, when it was Jack Hughes' turn, all of a sudden, a huge magic box comes pushing out to center ice. And it was very weird. Jack Hughes actually put on a magic hat. He had like a stick as well. And what he did is that he took a helmet. He took a jersey. I think he also took a stick as well. And he put it 
in the um what he did he put it in the magic box and we were all saying like where is this going like what exactly is um what is this going to be and he does like a little bit of a move like he hits the um What's it called? He hits like the top of the the top of the uh, box. He goes like abracadabra type thing, and all of a sudden, a kid wearing a Jack Hughes jersey. He kind of looked like Jack Hughes in a way. Came out of the box, went down with Jack Hughes, did a spin around move. He scored, and Jack Hughes was was wearing a cape with a devil's logo on the back. They both, both him and Mini Jack Hughes, celebrate by throwing their sticks into the crowd like Jack Hughes did on opening night this year when they beat the Chicago Blackhawks in overtime. And that was, that was again, one of those things where you say, whoa, where did that come from? And that was absolutely phenomenal. I loved every second of it. It was, this was great. It was absolutely tremendous that um, they did that. Now, a lot of people were asking at that moment, they said, who is this kid? Where, like, how does he ever, like, what is his relation to Jack Hughes? This is kind of throwing, like, where did he come from? Well, we found out that the miniature Jack, or as they, they call mini Jack, is a kid by the name of Brecken Scopetto, who is the son of Devil's Head Equipment Manager, Chris Frosty Scopetto. And interestingly enough, the entire Devil's um, athletic team was the athletic team for the uh, Metropolitan Division. So they were all there. So I guess Jack Hughes just felt that this would be a really cool thing to get some of the young kids in here. Um, and actually what's interesting is Brecken uh, was part of the post-game press conference along with Jack. And that must have been a really, really cool experience. I know that Jack Brecken and the entire Devils training staff took a picture together. It was absolutely phenomenal. And it just left you like blown away. You have a smile on your face and it's lovely. And you look at guys like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras. And even when you look at it, you also look at, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, even though he's not that young, he's still pretty young. And even a guy like Alex Dabrinkit, they are showing that this is the new generation of hockey players. Definitely Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras with their creativity and their references to things. It's absolutely phenomenal. And Jack getting a young kid in here to enjoy that experience along with them, scoring a beautiful goal nonetheless, and then throwing his stick, both Jack Hughes and Brecken did, was tremendous. And I'm talking to you guys while I have a huge smile on my face because that was such a fun idea that Jack Hughes had, and I give him so much credit for it. So that was tremendous. It sucked that it was rigged and both Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegers got screwed. I wouldn't have been against Trevor Zegers winning this event and Jack Hughes finishing second because I would have said, look, the dodgeball reference is absolutely spot on, 100%. Alex Petrangelo, I mean, we got to call it like it is. They won it because he's part of the Golden Knights and Vegas had to win one of these events. And uh, I'm not really that much of a big fan of John Hamm after this, uh, after this weekend, but it is what it is. Jack Hughes finished second. With 59 points, he finished five points behind Alex Petrangelo. And Trevor Zegras surprisingly finished in third place with 58 points, one behind Jack Hughes. But uh, maybe down the road, those guys will be in it again. Hopefully for both Zegras and Hughes, this is the first of many All-Star games they'll be, a, they'll be a part of. And uh, they will continue to make headlines. So that was the recap of the All-Star Game Skills Competition. An absolutely phenomenal event once again. Love the, you know... The other two events that they added in because they were based in Vegas. Just overall, great, um, great day, great night for the game of hockey. So now we shift over to the main event, and that was the 2022 NHL All-Star Game. I myself was fortunate enough to be live on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel as I was asked and honored to uh, do the live watch along of the All-Star Game. So I was on for about three hours, three and a half hours, I believe, uh, covering all three games, the two semifinal games and then the um, All-Star Game final. And again, thank you to everybody who hung out with us uh, for that one. We are so close. We are currently, I believe, 12 subscribers away from 1,000. So if you guys if you guys love this podcast, you'll love the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. New live watch loans every day covering every team in the NHL. I'm on there usually twice a week doing games of different teams, doing doubles games, of course. And I have so much fun interacting with you guys. 
make sure you go check it out. So make sure you go subscribe and punch the notification bell so you don't miss any new live watch longs that we do there on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. But uh, I was there to watch that entire game and interact with fans, and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun watching this. So in the first semifinal, it was the Metropolitan Division versus the Pacific. Obviously, we're going to cheer on Jack Hughes in the Metro. And they, the Metropolitan Division, ended up beating the Pacific by the score of 6-4. to four. And Jack Hughes was the most dominant player on the ice in that one. He scored two goals in that one. Granted, the second one was an empty netter, but still, he scored two goals, leading the Metropolitan Division to a win. So because of that, they moved on to the finals of the All-Star Game. And then in the second game, semifinal, the Central Division defeated the Atlantic Division by the score of 8-5. to five. Jordan Cairo, who won the breakaway challenge, had himself a very impressive first game. He had two goals and two assists for four points in that one. Alex Debrinkit also added two goals of his own. So both of those guys definitely putting on a show and helping the Central Division move on. So we reached the the, uh, All-Star Game final, which was between the Metropolitan Division and the Central. Obviously, again, cheering on the Metro Division. And the Metropolitan Division comes away with the big victory by the score of 5-3 to to win the 2022 NHL All-Star Game. And I believe every single player, they split like $1,000 or something like that when they win. Jack Hughes actually had a goal and an assist in that second game. He He made such a great saucer pass to Chris Kreider. And what was really cool, and I mentioned it on the um, the live watch along, that the, the Metropolitan Division had a line of Jack Hughes, Chris Kreider, and Adam Pellick, all three players in the tri-state area, the New York, New Jersey area. So I called it the tri-state line. So that was it. And that was very cool. Um, Kreider and Jack Hughes played well together. Uh, the speed was great. There was a lot of excitement. I felt like the goaltenders in general were actually better than we've seen in years years past. Camp Talbot made two hell of a saves in the game against the Atlantic. He made a stick save, and then the puck came right out in front. It looked like Kyle Connor was going to score on an empty net, but then Connor, but uh, Talbot came over, reached out his left leg, and made a great save to deny the Atlantic twice of scoring there. So that was or the central, central. Uh, no, the yeah. Do deny the Atlantic two goals, so I apologize for that. Um, and I don't believe it was Kyle Connor either. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head who these players were that made these shots. Uh, but also in the first uh, game between the Metro and the Pacific, right at the end of the first period, John Gibson stacked the pads while going down to make an impressive save at the end, which was very, which, which awesome, absolutely awesome. The goaltending was actually better than I thought. Um, but going back to Jack Hughes, he finishes the all-star game with three goals, two assists for five points. And Claude Giroux of the Philadelphia Flyers and what very well could be his final um, all-star game as a flyer. He got himself two goals and ended up being awarded the all-star game MVP. I honestly felt like the Jack Hughes gave himself a pretty good uh, running. I felt like he was a little bit robbed. So Jack Hughes was uh, pretty much robbed both in the skills competition and the all-star game, in my opinion. I think if Drew only scored one goal, I think Jack Hughes probably would have won it um, because of how well he played in both games. But hopefully Jack Hughes will get more cracks at it moving forward. He did a tremendous job representing himself and the Devils organization proudly at the All-Star weekend. And we couldn't be prouder of him. And we're super excited to see what he can do in the future. So the Metropolitan Division wins the 2022 All-Star game beating the Central by the score of 5-3. to three. And Jack Hughes, representing our New Jersey Devils, finishes the All-Star game with three goals, two assists for five points. And that is the recap of the 2022 NHL All-Star Weekend. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York. 
meaning you could bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. So if you want to spend a little bit of money on Joe Burrow, or if you think Matty Stafford will finally get his first Super Bowl ring, you could do that here with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bidding partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibitive. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877 877-8- Hope and why, or text Hope and why to 467 369. So, the next thing that came up, and this isn't in full chronological order, but we found out about this earlier this week. I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, the Devils made an announcement that they were sending down Akira Schmid back down to Utica while in conjunction calling up Nico Dawes to the Devils roster. And then the Devils said that Nico Dawes would be with the team when they got back. Um, from the all-star break and would be a part of the team. So Nico Dawes, where, you know, if you remember, he came up here earlier in the season, really showed promise, went back down to Utica. He got hurt with a freak injury, was out for a month and change or almost two months. And uh, he finally started to get back into the lineup with the Utica Comets. And uh, now he's getting another crack at uh, playing in the NHL. Obviously in much different circumstances than he did the first time, but Nico Dawes is going to get another opportunity to play in the NHL, which is uh, certainly going to be exciting for all of us. And I don't want to knock on Akira Schmid because Akira Schmid, the second he got sent down to Utica, he won his next two games. So that kind of just shows you that, look, Nico Dawes and Akira Schmid are young goaltenders. They don't have a lot of NHL experience. But you can clearly see that when you have a good team in front of you, defensively and offensively, while also being a talented goaltender, goaltender like Akira and Nico are you're starting to see where you're seeing really good results so that was the case here with Akira and also was the case with Nico Dawes Dawes appeared in two NHL games this season he recorded his first NHL win back on October 23rd in overtime against the Buffalo Sabres and uh, he played in one other game that was against the Calgary Flames. He gave up three goals in the first period and uh, was pulled and then was eventually sent down once um, once Blackwood and I believe Bernier were both okay to come back. To date, the 21-year-old goaltender has played in 17 games with the Utica Comets with an impressive 11-3-2 record, a 2.44 goals against average, and a .917 save percentage. So... I guess you could say the hope is, is that Nico Dawes can continue the, the decent success that he had when he was first up here with the team. But I will just warn all Devils fans, if Nico Dawes plays and he has a bad game here or there, don't be surprised if we're going to see the same thing that happened with Akira, where we're just, you know, he's making some saves, but he's getting no help. And that's going to be something to keep your eye on over these next couple of games. Does Nico Dawes stay down here the whole time? I don't know. We shall see. I think that there's going to come a point where when we get closer to the end of the year and Utica continues to play well and gets into the playoffs, that uh, we're going to have to find somebody to play a couple games with John Gillies and, um, you know, finish the double season while Nico Dawes and Akira continue to play well and develop themselves down in Utica. So we shall see. But Nico Dawes will now get another crack at the NHL this year. And speaking of practice and everything like that, let's give you a quick update with practice because the Devils did have their first practice back from the All-Star break on Sunday at around 2.30. Um, the first news that we got, which was really good, was that Michael McLeod actually was returning to practice after he had been out since January 25th when he got hurt in a fight against the Dallas Stars 
at home. Jack Hughes was on the ice. We also got word that Dougie Hamilton had um, done some ice work earlier, but was not practicing with the team. Nico Dawes obviously was on the ice. Uh, Elaine Nazardine was actually coaching this practice um, with Lindy Ruff still dealing with the loss of his father. We did get confirmation that he, that uh, Lindy Ruff would be back behind the bench Monday night when the Devils take on the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. But then I would say about 20 minutes after practice started, we got breaking news that Jack Hughes was quickly taken off the ice and immediately put on the COVID-19 protocol list. And that was something that was really, really frustrating to hear because it was, you know, we were all jokingly in a way saying, you know, all the, us Devils fans really can't have anything nice. And it was like, you have to be kidding. He just got back. He was doing so well. We have such good feelings right now. And then he, you know, gets a positive test. And uh, it brought up the question of this. Well, isn't the NHL kind of dealing, um, aren't they changing the COVID-19 protocol um, testing and things like that? Well, the NHL said that they were going to do regular testing for the players that were coming from the All-Star game for just one day just the day that they got back and that was it. Um, then after that, we would go into the new protocols that I'll mention here in a moment. But Jack Hughes unfortunately came up with a positive test and he was taken out of practice and will be out the next five days. So he will miss both of the games in Ottawa and Montreal and he will also miss the game in St. Louis. So the Devils, who have already been struggling with offense, are going to be without two of their main offensive weapons moving forward so things at times seem like they keep going from bad to worse um here's a couple of reminders um with regard to the COVID-19 testing and things like that and this is the new update that we talked about a couple weeks ago but here we're officially into it starting on uh, Monday daily COVID testing is no more players except the one unvaxxed on Detroit which I believe is um, for Tuesday, will only be tested if symptoms arise or a reason comes for cause testing only. If a positive test does happen, close contact individuals will not be tested unless symptoms arise. Taxi squads are no longer a thing. So the taxi squads were here for a little while and now they're back to not existing. So unfortunately for Jack Hughes, in the one day that he gets tested, he gets a positive test. And he will unfortunately not be with the team on this road trip. So he will be staying in Jersey, which I guess is okay in a way because it gives him some time to rest after, you know, playing, playing games and then immediately going to Vegas and being a part of that. And what's interesting is that when he did one of his interviews, he sounded very, very tired. So does that have anything to do with him getting a positive test? I, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't look that affected when he was playing on the ice in the all-star game, but still, it's a very unfortunate situation. So the Devils will be without number 86 for the next three games at least. And we will see what happens with that. Um, also, I think, which is kind of disappointing to hear, is that Dougie Hamilton will definitely not be with the team for that three-game road trip as well. He's not the only, you know, there's no other reason other than he's still recovering from his broken job. But what's frustrating about it is that he was traveling with the team to road games of late. And now he's not. So you kind of wonder if something changed and something, uh, you know, ends up not, you know, not really that good. It, it, it's definitely, again, we're getting frustrating news. And the last frustrating news that we actually got earlier last week was uh, during um, during the 32 thoughts that Elliot Friedman on Sportsnet always puts out where he covers every single team in the NHL. When it came to the Devils, he said that uh, the Devils and Mackenzie Blackwood are looking for second and third options when it comes to dealing with Blackwood's um, heel injury and that they don't know what's going to happen long-term with Blackwood. And that not only goes for the rest of the season, but it goes for the, uh, his career moving forward. I'm not here to say that it sounds like it's a career-ending thing, but it sounds like to me that there's pretty significant damage that is going to take a lot longer than we originally thought which considering how the devil's luck has been going of the many years that we've watched this team, especially the last seven, eight years, it's not really a surprise. So yeah, we just continue to get really rough news and frustrating news. And uh, again, obviously we are going to be back to playing starting on Monday. Uh, obviously the expectations are very, very low and we're worried the devils are going in on a or starting back up 
on a six-game losing streak. Um, I think the longest is, what, 13 this year. Uh, the Devils are only seven from tying it and eight away from breaking it. It's hard to look at the schedule moving forward and to see how many games can the Devils really win, considering how bad they've been playing of late. And I wanted to also mention this. Uh, somebody, I don't remember the name, and I do apologize, but somebody did ask Steve Dangle, who most of you know, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, you know he has uh, the Dang it dang, uh, dang, Dangles on um, Sportsnet. He does uh, LFR, you know, Leafs fan reaction. Uh, very well-known guy in the hockey world. Somebody did ask him about the Devils because obviously the, the Leafs had just played the Devils in back-to-back games. And somebody said, somebody asked uh, Dangle the question of, do you feel bad for the Devils? His response was, no, I feel bad for their fans. And he also said something which makes us feel uneasy because the, the, the person who asked the question also asked, is this similar to the era that uh, the Leafs had most recently when they weren't that good and, and trying to get guys like eventually getting Matthews, Marner, and all those guys. And unfortunately for us, uh, Dangle said, no, it's not like that. It might be worse. And that's the thing, because he said that the devil's defense is shocking, is shockingly bad. And he doesn't understand why this team is as poor as it is, considering the talent that they have. And he suggested, like we've all suggested, probably need a new coach, need to get some other players in here and kind of go from there. So when you hear a very well-known and somewhat respectable person like Steve Dangle analyze your team from afar, granted, but he's very well respected and knowledgeable, for him to say those things, it's, it's not what you want to hear. It's not something that makes you feel all warm inside and make you feel better about where this team is going. But it just kind of continues to put emphasis on what we all see as fans and how much we are sick and tired of this. So again, I, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward. I can tell you what I would want as a fan. Um, but again, I'm giving you guys the straight skinny and the reality of it all. At the end of the day, we're just fans. And all we could do is watch our team, cheer on our team, and, and hope that the team gets better. Uh, it's up to the ownership to decide that they don't want to just have things be status quo. It's up to the general manager to get to make moves and get the right players in here and get the right coach in here. And then it's ultimately up to the players to go out and perform and do the things that are necessary to win hockey games and be competent. And we're not really getting any of that right now. And the one bright spot that we have is how well our prospect pool is going and how well the Utica comments are going. And, um, you know, the hope is, is that those, those kids can come up to the NHL and, and help this team. But as long as the organization, like I said before, continues to want to run this system, regardless of coaches, players, GMs, or whatever, these are the type of results that we're going to get and nothing's going to change. So I'm not saying anything that we haven't already discussed on here, but I wanted to mention those points as well because I think they're important. But that being said, I wanted to end this episode on a high note because as you guys know of late, it has been tough to talk about positive things when, it, when we talk about the New Jersey Devils. But I wanted to end this on a positive note, and we do have some positives. And granted, it involves our minor league team, but considering what has been happening of late, you can't help but get excited for the now and then obviously in the next year or two. On Tuesday, this past uh, Tuesday, February 1st, the American Hockey League, which is uh, the AHL, announced that Alexander Holtz of the Utica Comets has been named the AHL Rookie of the Month for the month of January as he finished with five goals, eight assists, for 13 points in just 10 games. He currently, at the time of this recording, has 13 goals, 15 assists for 28 points. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Holtz has given a lot of credit to Kevin Deneen, and a lot of players have given a lot of credit to Kevin Deneen for continuing to help develop them into really good hockey players. It does beg the question of, should Kevin Deneen be a serious you know, candidate for the Devils head coaching job? You know, you have the, the, the talking of, well, you don't want to lose what you got good going in uh, Utica, you know, moving forward. But at the same time, could Kevin Deneen be the answer that we've been looking for when it comes to a head coach? I guess really only time will tell. We'll see what happens moving forward. But Alexander Holtz gave a lot of credit to uh, him 
get, you know, he seems to be transitioning better and better every day to the smaller rinks playing in North America. And he's really lighting it up. And I'm very, very impressed. As far as the Utica, Utica Comets are concerned, they went two, one and oh, this past week with game with two games against the Laval Rocket and one against the Springfield Thunderbirds. Their next game, I believe, is Tuesday or Wednesday of this week when they play the Springfield uh, Thunderbirds again. And like I mentioned before, Akira Schmid, um, he actually came back and played the last two games uh, that Utica has played, the second one against Laval and then the first one against Springfield, and won them both. So he's right back to where he was before, playing in front of a good team and having a lot of success and showcasing the talent that he has. And speaking of Alexander Holtz, he ended up getting the game-winning goal in overtime in Friday night's victory at home against Laval Rockets. So the AHL Rookie of the Month getting off to a hot start in the month of February. And again, like I mentioned, Akira Smee doing well. The Utica Comets are currently sitting with an amazing record of 27, 6, and 5, which is absolutely incredible. That's 16 games above 500 they are first place in the eastern conference of the ahl by a whopping 14 points the next closest team is the toronto marlies the maple leafs affiliate and they are currently in first place in the entire ahl by one point in front of the chicago wolves so the utica comets have really been the biggest talk when it comes to you know minor league hockey this year with how well they played how well the Utica fans and the community has bought into it, talking with so many people from Utica, and you guys know who you are. They absolutely love this team. They love the players. I mean, hell, they have different fan clubs with certain players. We have Ball's Army, talk about Kevin Ball. People love Alexander Holtz. They love the goaltenders. There's What is there not to like? And that's what makes me happy. It makes me feel a little bit better that, okay, we clearly have shown in the minors that we have kids that are super talented and that are being developed well. And the hope is, is that the system that is in place here in New Jersey does not hinder them once they get here, that we get enough guys in here to say, fuck the system, not going to deal with that and go from there. And they're going to play hockey, actually play hockey. And so watching Utica, seeing their dominance, you absolutely love to see it. And I'm so very excited to see what they can do moving forward. They're a team that has championship aspiration. I mean, how awesome would it be to see the Utica Comets in their first year representing the Devils win the Calder Trophy, for um, which is the AHL equivalent to the Stanley Cup? And it is amazing how the, the Devils are getting closer and closer to the bottom of the NHL while the Utica Comets continue to stay up, up, up at the top of the AHL which I think kind of shows you again what it's all about. Also, shout out to Dan McKinnon, the assistant GM of the Devils, but the GM of the Utica Comets. Um, Kevin Denis doing a fantastic job. Sergey Brilliant as well. Um, really, really helping coaching these young kids. And uh, shout out to the players continuing to be impressive. I'm looking forward to getting an opportunity to go up to Utica, um, hopefully this season, and get a chance to watch a game because I would like to see some Devils players actually play well on the ice. So we shall see. Uh, what happens moving forward. But again, the Utica Comets and Alexander Holtz are really, really rocking and rolling. And it'll be exciting to see what they can do moving forward as they continue to each have amazing seasons.